Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade, here in the podcast studio, joined by my good friend and colleague, the Reverend, the Professor Jason Oakland of Wisconsin Lutheran College in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The very um, same. Indeed. Uh, happy to be here with him as we continue our Winging It session series on travel. Let the bird fly to other countries yes. to experience history, culture, culinary delights, language, mm-hmm. and religion. And uh, we are in our third session on the upcoming, well, not on the upcoming, directly, on Germany travel. Yeah. Uh, Jason and I have been to Germany a bunch of times, uh, sometimes together, sometimes separately. And so far we've been talking about why do we keep going back. Um, we've talked about a lot of different angles for that. Jason gave us some excellent food reviews. Um, we talked religion. <clears throat> I'm sorry, we talked history, politics, economics, all kinds of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. For this episode, we're going to talk religion. Um, we both go because we have religious interests as well. I would go without the religious interest, but we do go. Right. In part because of it, just as we went to Rome, um, for all kinds of different reasons, but also to see churches. And I'll, I'll say that I think, for me, that it was the religious interest that really drew me to Germany to begin with. Yep. But I would say that... And your friendship with me who invited you. Right, exactly. Um, but then it's the contact with all these other different things that have made it an intriguing place to continue going back to. But that includes furthering my understanding and appreciation of the religious side of it as well. Yeah. And so um, that's what we'll be talking about today is what uh, what on the religious side of things has has us going back and has taken us there. Uh, we are part at Let the Bird Fly of the 1517 Podcast Network. I encourage you to go to 1517.org. Check out the stuff they have going on there, publishing house, daily articles. Jason and I have had recent ones, um, free academy courses, all sorts of stuff, 1517.org. If you want to learn more about the podcast, go to letthebirdfly.com, all sorts of stuff there. We also have devotions and things that have been written over the years that you can go back and work your way through. If you want all sorts of episodes, winging it, sessions, speeches, I think we called those bird's eye view, um, plenty of resources <laughs> that you can get from there. If you go there, you can also look up more about the Germany trip. Click on the menu tab for Germany trip 2024. Um, you can go there. Everything you need is there. Uh, if you want to register for the trip, the information is there. You can also reach out to us if you have questions. First name dot last name at wlc.edu, Jason Oakland, Wade Johnston. Or um, you can shoot us a message at podcast at letthebirdfly.com. I do check that regularly. Um, and so you can message us there as well if you have questions. You're pretty sure you want to go. Go on over there. Register. We'll be excited. Makes us happy. We'll look forward to going to, uh, with you. And if you do that by July 13th, you will get $75 off the total cost. Reminder that the total cost includes pretty much everything. Airfare, hotel stays, admissions to places, our tour guide, um, or tour guides over there. Um, all your meals except for two dinners. And then whatever you're doing for midday, snacks, street food, whatever. And then souvenirs. We're not buying your souvenirs. Right. Um, but everything else is included, You uh, getting you there, getting you around in a bus, a comfortable yeah. bus. We're not talking a right. Greyhound bus. Yeah. It's as nice. much as I like public transport. Yeah. Um, so uh, you look at that uh, price tag and know included in that is all of that stuff. Um, so. 
Yeah, and I think it actually might be all but one dinner. I think it was just the one dinner. Maybe I've been misspeaking, and Jason just has not corrected me for like 20 of these things. (laughs) We'll have to go back and check tape. I don't know. The tape. (laughs) (laughs) I put in all this work, and you think I'm running tapes? No, that's not what you're doing. That's not DJ booth here. That's true. You do. It's pretty. It's pretty sweet DJ booth. Um, if you're wondering what the travel experience with Jason and I is like, yeah, should we say what Sophie said about us the other day, or should we not say that? Is that a little too controversial? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It might be controversial. Maybe we maybe we don't say it, but we'll say. (laughs) Pretty much was saying. I I took it as saying it's delightful. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought too. But uh, that uh, I I don't think that's quite what she was angling for. I think. I think. Maggie and Connor survived it and enjoyed the trip. That's right. And, you know, even became regular regular podcast listeners. I think listeners, that at least think, Maggie's been result, listening yeah. to some of these to make sure we don't say anything. Right, yeah. That she doesn't want said about her. Yes. Um, but uh, what is traveling with Jason and I like? Go back and listen to the Lutherans in Rome sessions. Um, we had a recent trip over spring break, and we're kind of scouting that, right, mm-hmm. for maybe down the road for something. Um, you can get a sense of that as we retell our travels our um, our testings. Mm-hmm. It was a couple times. Yeah, uh, trial. I, I snapped at Jason, um, but there wasn't that many, and no. and uh, it went no. pretty darn well. And so, if you want to find out uh, what it's like, uh, you can go listen to that. But I will say that was us doing our like budget um, type. We're we're doing this on the cheap. Four people in a room, um, taking flights with big layovers. Yep, um, stuff like that. Uh, but you'll get a sense of what are, what are we interested in? What are we looking for? What are we hoping to do? Um, because we'll be doing that in a classier, more comfortable fashion. Yes, definitely classier. On this, this trip. What I would like to do, Jason, I didn't tell you I thought we should do this. Um, but we're going to be talking about the religious aspect today. But maybe we can just each briefly um, detail our own history um, with interest in or work with, uh, personally or professionally, the um, the religious history of Germany um, or Europe in general, and um, Luther and some of the stuff that we will be doing. Uh, we both are ordained pastors, whether they like it or not, <laughs> of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, popularly known as the Wells. The Wells, to which you are more than welcome to come. Yes, if you would like. For what, Jason? Living water and the living word. Yes. Um, and so we invite you to join us. Um, but we are both ordained pastors in a Lutheran church body. So there's obviously that. But I would say for both of us, it's probably fair to say part of what drew us um, into our studies to become pastors mm-hmm. um, was not just, oh, we want to preach and we want to do hospital visits, and we want to whatever, which we like, mm-hmm. um, but also an interest uh, not just in theology, but in historical theology, right? And how yeah. these things came to be. Um, and that is something that I think played a role in our, our parish ministries as well, uh, what helped shape our preaching and teaching, the perspective we brought to carrying out ministry. Um, and so maybe if I can just uh, throw it to you first, Jason, maybe... Your own history of um, why this stuff's on your radar, why you care about it, why you keep wanting to go back or learning more, why you want to tell people about it, anything with that. Uh, yeah, I would say the 
what first your your credentials to be someone who's telling people about it maybe you can wrap up sure yeah my uh so i would say my my interest first in uh i would say maybe uh certainly in reformation history but uh maybe even in history more broadly uh was really probably when i was in catechism instruction and when my my final year of that included a unit on uh, Reformation history, as far as the you know the basically the story of the Reformation and who this Luther guy was that that you know our church body is named after, and um, I will say that uh, that sparked my interest during my high school years. We we did not um, do a ton of digging into those elements of, of history as much, uh, although I certainly grew in my appreciation for Lutheran theology uh, as I attended a Lutheran high school, but uh, it wasn't probably until college where um, that really began to, to grow uh, and, and flourish a bit more with some of the, the courses that uh, we got to take there, Western civilization um, being one of them. Uh, and then being able to focus on a couple of electives that uh, I took um, religious wars and revolutions class of the 16th and 17th century, which that was where I would say that this became uh, this idea of history and especially church history, Reformation history really became uh, truly a love for me. Um, And uh, that shaped some of the classes I picked going forward and uh, definitely enjoyed my historical theology studies at seminary as well um, while we were doing that and um, did some independent work on my own uh, after seminary. Uh, I always thought that um, teaching units on historical theology for Bible class was was important on occasion, so I, I tried to incorporate some of that. Also, uh, the parish that I served was uh, Martin Luther Evangelical Lutheran Church, and so uh, we had a we had a Lutheran elementary school as well. And uh, I felt that it was pretty important for uh, students if they were going to uh, Martin Luther School that they should maybe know who this guy was. So that became uh, a regular thing that I incorporated into uh, a, a unit on uh, Luther uh, and Reformation history in catechism instruction every other year because uh, we would usually be doing two two-year segments of of class uh, and then I went on to and this kind of gets into the uh, credentials part uh, I did some continuing education work through Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary uh, and earned uh, an STM uh, master's in sacred theology through uh Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary uh, in 2018 with a focus on uh, church history. Uh, And then I've now since enrolled at um, Concordia Seminary in St. Louis uh, in the Reformation Studies program for a PhD. Shout out Uh, to the Missouri Synod. Yep, exactly. And uh, that's been, I'm, I'm coming up on the end of my first year of coursework there. Um, I'll have Jason told me that their their communion tastes better. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I believe we had a, a lengthy conversation about that. No, uh, and then um, the 
so I'll have two years in by the time we get to our trip. Uh, and then that's kind of the, and, and I would say that has also um, helped in my teaching here too, which, you know, we're not, we're not necessarily called to teach. We're called to the department. We're not called to teach specific topics or, or disciplines necessarily. Well, uh, I guess. As most the, of academia yeah. works, you're going to, I mean, you're, we recognize each other has different yeah. fields, but there's yep. certain courses that have to be. The intro's got to be intro. Right. Yep. Yeah. And and where where we have we all teach certain things. Um, there we are, are we're servant leaders. We see yeah. need. Yep. And we meet it. And we try to to complement one another's areas of strength as well. And I think mm-hmm. um, and to complement um, other things about each other. Right. Yeah. For instance, if like I told Jason the other day, I liked his haircut. He got yes, a haircut. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I see that you got the biker's hat on, which is always a good look. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Michael makes fun of this hat, but, yeah, but, but I, I know deep down he likes it. Yeah, exactly. And sporting let the bird fly apparel today. Although so Maggie uh, would not, she told me not to wear this in Rome. She did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She told me to go with the people's hat instead. Yep. Which and then rest in peace, people's rest hat. in peace, people's hat. Yeah. Yep. So, but. To wrap that up, then, just the idea of um, I get to teach a couple of courses as well that focus on um, church history uh, here at the college as well. So, Yeah, and so I would say similar to Jason, and it may be hard to believe, Jason and I were classmates. Mm-hmm. In fact, Jason, Michael, and I all started out together. Yeah, um, Michael took a year off, not because he got in trouble, but he went to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was, he ended up one year, uh, behind us, which maybe he was happy. <laughs> I, how could, I don't, I don't think he could. There were been. good guys he, in that yeah, class. There that were, ended up with there too. were, yeah, yeah. But some of, uh, my most dear friends. Yes. Um, yeah. were in or ended up in, mostly ended up in, um, that yep. class. It was a good class. It was, it was, um, maybe, you know, second best class ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. But I would say through college and, and seminary, um, if you were to track when we had a say in what courses we took, you probably would see very similar routes mm-hmm. um, between myself and, and Jason. Um, I would say both uh, students of Professor Deutschlander. Yep. I don't know if you would say the, this of him, but I would say probably my most formative professor. I would agree. I think uh, he's, if not at the, I, no, I, I think I would have to say he's probably at the top of that list for me. Um, and then I have to say at seminary, probably two of my, I enjoyed a number of professors, but two of my very, uh, whether they knew it or not, they probably just thought I was a jerk. Um, <laughs> but uh, Professor Corthos and Brenner, yeah, who both taught church history, and I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, although um, you guys would never let our section take Professor Brenner. You hogged Professor Brenner all the way through. You guys weren't smart enough to appreciate it, him. It wasn't until continuing ed in my STM program that I got to actually have a class with Professor Brenner. Yeah. So, in short, what I'm trying to say is uh, we we took the opportunities we could get to do church history. Um, I think both of us have an overarching history, uh, interest in church history. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason um, teaches um, the history of Christianity, and uh, um, I have uh, taught courses that, that hit on different aspects or time periods. I've taught history of Christianity even, although... Um, I only had that a couple times, uh, but both of us tend to migrate towards the 16th century, yes, and the reformations and the responses to the reformations. And I would say for me then too, um, 
not even just the theology of it, but I do very much have an interest in the political and cultural history um, that's happening concurrently, uh, social history, happening concurrently with these things. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say both of us are, at the end of the day, if we're honest, um, intellectual historians. Um, as far as if we had to pick intellectual, social, cultural, you know, um, political... Uh, um, we're interested in the ideas and specifically, primarily interested in the ideas, specifically the religious ideas. Although Jason Moore, um, in his work, I think will be, and I think this will be very good, um, focusing a little bit more on parish life. Uh, if he, if you do continue working with Bugenhagen, who mm-hmm. was Luther's pastor, yep. Um, I uh, kind of sometimes get boots on the ground a bit. Uh, I like to look at um, kind of history of propaganda and the pamphlet wars that started, um, but. Uh, we're drawn to Reformation history and Reformation theology. Yes. Uh, not that we don't have interest in or teach other things. And I would say for me, um, coming out of Roman Catholicism, uh, to what degree I've come out of it, I will leave to various people to um, assess. <laughs> Posterity will determine. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, coming out of Roman Catholicism and having real things to wrestle with about leaving the church and staying left. Um, from the church, you end up going back again and again to the uh, period of Luther's life and then the, the writing of the form of Concord. You go to the Lutheran confessions. What are these things that we believe? Do I believe them? Why do they matter? How did they come to be? And so that's always been of uh, enormous importance to me, um, and then flowing out of that, are they still relevant? And so I would say a lot of my work focuses then on um, taking these biblical, right, because we, we believe when we're doing Reformation theology, we're doing biblical theology. Mm-hmm. Um, taking these biblical reformational ideas and saying how do they speak today, right? Um, and I very much enjoy that. I do that in Christ and culture. I do that in ethics. Um I get to do that in a number of my courses. Uh, we do that in history of the Reformations. We start by looking at the impact of the Reformations on our own day um, with a book that's kind of fun because it's got some interesting things but also stuff you can disagree with. So, um, <laughs> Which I know you had to read for grad school, and I'm not going to put it on blast here but because um, there are legitimate things to, to pick at. And sure, you yeah. probably can guess what I'm, what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. yeah. um, and... Uh, so that's always been a very keen interest for me. <clears throat> when I got out into the parish, and I, I very much loved serving my parish, and uh, I mean, I can see myself in parish ministry again, right, before the Lord calls me home, should he give the right opportunity. Um, but I very much enjoy what I'm doing at the college as well. Um, but while in the parish, I still had this desire to be engaging academically with stuff. And not just engaging academically as some sort of like... Um, vain, like just uh, no one benefits thing, but in a way that could enrich, hopefully, my parish as well. Um, started taking grad classes here or there, not as part of a program, but just like, I'm going to take a class, and then would bring that in, and, and my people were kind of like, you know, this is this is interesting when it's coming to Bible class and, and preaching, um, and then kind of fooled around and got a PhD. Um Funny how that worked. Between uh, in Michigan <laughs> and then in the, in the Netherlands. Um, no intention of leaving the parish and eventually did 
end up here, which is its own story. Um, I've written, most of my works are Reformation-based, even when they're contemporary applications. So like Let the Bird Flies, contemporary application, but the ideas, the lenses I'm using are Reformational lenses. The book, not the podcast. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, An Uncompromising Gospel, Lessons for Today, right? This is, um, it's, it's what I find myself returning to and the person I have to, to try to get around if I ever get fed up enough with Lutheranism is is Luther. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and to get around Luther uh, means to get around uh, Luther's confession of Christ, which is what really matters, because there's things Luther wrote that I go, what were you thinking, Martin? Right. You should have just taken a nap. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to get around his confession of Christ, which I think is, is one of the things in church history— um, that is most stunning about Luther is the clarity with which he confessed Christ. That that was just the driving force. Even a number of prominent Roman Catholic theologians and popes Mm -hmm. have recognized this as commendable about him while lamenting other things. Some of them, the same things I lament. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so at the end of the day, uh, that's what I spend much of my time doing work with, but not... I don't work primarily with Luther. I prim- I work primarily with the reception of Luther and the theologians working right after his death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is very fascinating to me because that's the time where it really has to get hashed out of what are we? Yeah. What are we going to be? Um, and I think uh, trips like this, um, and this trip as we've crafted it, afford an opportunity from a religious perspective to get at both Luther, but that period and what it means um, to be a Lutheran, whether one is or not. It's, mm-hmm. it's in, if you're a Christian, you need to understand Lutheranism to some degree, to well, understand your own Christianity, unless you're Eastern Orthodox, and then you can be blissfully unaware. But but even there, like you know, when I, I just think back to a couple of those um, most influential lists that they did at the turn of the um, turn of the millennium, mm-hmm. uh, and. Luther, uh, and, I, and I remember back to a couple of them, and I'd have to, you know, I couldn't tell you exactly which ones, but I, I, I watched a couple of specials to that effect that uh, were doing some of those things. Um, but if you're talking, um, some, some it was in the last thousand years or even the last 2,000 years, uh, influential people. Uh, Luther, just as far as a, a, a figure who has impacted the world that, and still impacts the world that you live in today. Um, Luther was consistently like, for sure top 10, if not top five, sometimes top two or three. To use an American illustration, um, my good friend, Baked Beans. I won't mm. use his name on the podcast because... Yeah, I'm, yeah. Um, neighbor kid, uh, he's uh, over our house all the time. You know, my kids love him, his sisters, great family. Um, Even visited the college once mm-hmm. or twice on occasion. Yep, came to class. Yeah. And uh, um, he will go to church with us sometimes. And uh, when we mentioned Lutheran, Martin Luther, uh, so yeah, Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. It's a common mistake people do, and even Google assumes that's what you mean sometimes when you put it in. Yeah. Um, that's actually a testimony to the influence of Martin Luther. Yes. Because it, it's not a coincidence that... Dr. King bore the name that he bore. Um, mm-hmm. He was not a Lutheran. Right. Um, 
but the influence of of Luther, um, yeah, outstretches anything we tend to be able to quite wrap our our heads around if we're only ever looking at narrow fields of things or if our interests are limited. Um, you're not. You can't be. If you're a modern Roman Catholic and a modern like devout Roman Catholic, uh, what you are is in some degree a response to Martin Luther, mm-hmm. and right. indebted to him. Yep. Um, as well. Which again, you can argue for better or worse, but but there's no question it is. Yeah, and so um, I think that gives a sense for both of us why these things matter. So we we go to these places as people who have I would say um, you know a variety of it's like an onion you know you can keep peeling away yep. a variety of layers and interest and I have a keen interest in twentieth century developments in Germany as I talked about last time I've done a lot of work on fascism and and, and um, uh, communism and the in those controversies as they develop. Um, I have a huge interest in the in the culture. Bach is one of my go-to jams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I appreciate um, the musical and artistic heritage we have. A lot of the art I have is by German artists. Um, I mentioned already last episode or session too that the thinkers and the impact that they've had, um, just the vibes. To be able to walk through an Altstadt and not, have it be something that was built for cars is for me a great joy. <laughs> um, yep. But the religion, if we're going to be honest, is of great interest. And so um, you can choose to go on the trip and avoid either of us or both of us. That's absolutely fine. And you can listen to our wonderful Italian tour guide who is now German, right, lives in Germany. Italian um, by birth, German by choice. Yeah, and you're going to get um, a lot out of that. Um but we're happy to talk about all these different layers too. And one of the things we'll be happy to talk about is the religious history. And specifically for me, as I was trying to build up to there, um, the religious history as it pertains to the gospel, mm-hmm. right? This is, um, I, I mean, an, an animating thing for me is um, that the, the, the good news of Christ having rung forth from these places Sometimes it's depressing because it's not ringing forth very clearly now. But to be able to <clears throat> to visit and say God was at work here, right? And and through a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds and a variety of histories yep. um, is really fascinating to me. And so if you get me talking religious stuff and for former students, alumni, um, you, you know I'm going to do this because I'm going to do it in class. There's going to be times I just, I, I kind of lapse into preacher mode. <laughs> Not in a weird or creepy way, um, but just uh, um, these things to me, um, you know, I maybe I'll go to the Holy Land someday, but it's not a, necessarily a huge draw to me to like go to a site and say this thing maybe happened there. Although I liked it in Rome when we mm-hmm, ended up right, there. Yeah. Um, but I love where I could visit a place that the gospel sounded forth. Yeah. And it's not that the gospel hasn't sounded forth in the Holy Land. Right. Um, and I, I, yeah. I can, can I just interject here? I had, I had someone. You may interject. I had someone ask me at church uh, just recently about the trip and um, ask about, well, but, you know, why, why go to Germany, um, you know, uh, not uh, rather than a place like the Holy Land or, you know, um, 
You know, it's not like, you know, that's where Jesus was um, rather than Luther. And, and that's you know, what I'm trying this, to get at. Yeah, yeah and is this one. just about Luther or, you know, we don't worship Luther. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. However, I think, you know, what you're talking about, say, this is where... Where Jesus was. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, and where Jesus was... In the gospel, yep. right? And that's, and I would say, if you listen back to our Rome sessions, yeah, when we're giving kind of our assessments of churches, and we didn't like talk about this beforehand, but we just found ourselves consistently coming back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the degree to which there was a sense in which this was a place in which Christ and his work was central, and he was proclaimed by the building and had been proclaimed yep. by people, whereas the ones that were more for show and more institutional we're less striking. And, um, you know, we're, the churches are smaller in all these places we're going to be going to. Yes. Um, but they're, in that way, to me, more powerful in the way that maybe the church, if, if let's say you're, you're nearing the last part of life, and you think back to the church where you were baptized and went to Sunday school, and that church for some of us is maybe the most beautiful church in all the world, take that dynamic and that's what I love about some of these churches we're going to see. Yeah. And I think, too, that... that I interjected, I, you interjected, and I apologize. No, I... I will not... <laughs> I'm going to let you interject again. Sure. And then I will not interject until I sense that you're done, unless I think you're trying to be a wiseacre and, just, and you don't stop yet. Just keep going, yeah. Uh, no, and I, and I think that's that's an important thing to, to think about, um, this idea of that, you know, this is uh, the places that... Many of the places we're going to see... You you will you will see the gospel shine forth still, um, and you know the influence of that um, is there still, and and I think um, that is one of those things. To say, well, you know, yeah, this isn't direct biblical history, but I think the way the way you put that, you know, say, but clearly the gospel shines forth, and Jesus clearly is there through that proclamation of the gospel, is not something that we want to to diminish or say, well, but it was just, these were just people doing stuff because I think um, there are, there are a few places that you look back over history and, and you can, you can see God's fingerprints um, maybe a little more clearly than others. Um, And at at least in those places where scripture doesn't say, this is exactly what God is doing. Um, but it would seem as if the Reformation and some of those events going on around there are one of those places. Um, and I think that's just kind of a, a neat thing, not only from the historical side of it, but especially from the gospel proclamation side of it. I'm not interjecting if I say something now. Go for it. Um, yeah, and to build on that, it's not an icon. Maybe we'll lead a tour of the Holy Land at some point. Right, yeah. And we'll get ourselves some shawarma. Right. Um. Which would be one of the main motivating factors. Shwarma. I, I think it's great to go where Christ was in mm-hmm. his um, earthly ministry. And I, and, I, and I would like to do that mm-hmm. when I feel like it's safe and, um, and I'm ready for the longer flight and the whatever yep, else. Yep. Um, I think that's good. I encourage you to, if you have interest in that, go on a trip like that. But the way... Christ was in his earthly ministry here is not how Christ is here for me now. Yeah. Um, it's how he will be here for me in eternity, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, in a sense, here for me. He's still human, divine, in one person, yes. Christ. Um, but in word and sacrament. Mm-hmm. And for me, in all of church history, um, there was no time and place um, that maybe more clearly, equally clearly, yes, but in a way that, that rivals what Paul was doing, mm-hmm. um, that emphasized most those two things, word and sacrament, is what happened um, in the Lutheran Reformation. Right. Um, and so, again, that's to see the way you encounter Christ, to see, to visit places, not as a pilgrimage to touch something Jesus touched. Right. Um, but to remember that this is how God works and he still works for you. And there were people who risked their lives just to remind us of that. Yeah. That's always a good reminder. And how earthy it is um, that this is not Rome. Yep. It's not one like, how did they do that after another? It's beautiful places. Mm -hmm. Um, And I... Like the average street vibe, I probably prefer like a an Erfurt um, mm-hmm. to some of the large Italian cities, personally. But, um, but what what's what's beautiful about the things from the religious point of view um, is that people were willing to give up some of the glory, the trappings, yep. even if necessary, um, to hold simply to that word and sacrament. And so you look in, in these buildings, it may not be the sa- same as, as go walking through St. Peter's. Yeah. Um, but that's almost what makes them more well, beautiful. And, you know, there is something, too, where, you know, we'll go to Wittenberg, which is, you know, that's like where it all went down as far as the... From Mecca. Right, exactly. But then you're and like... You can bring your little paperweight cubes or walk around them. Yeah, maybe I, I might have to do that. Uh, the the you go there and it's just this, you know, tiny little one strip town, you know, on the sandy shores of the Elba River, uh, and you compare that to a place like Rome, mm-hmm. and and it's one of those things that uh, you also get a pretty good um, glimpse at the theology of the cross in that way too. How um how how could how could this place topple rome how could you know uh, what wittenberg what good could come from there i mean you mm-hmm. you see that in biblical history you Luther's know there's opponents um, make fun of the town again yeah, and again yeah, yeah exactly he's just and, a hillbilly monk yep and and yet one guy a, a group of guys with the word of God, and, right, clinging to the gospel, wives. yeah, and their wives. Yes, let's not forget them. But uh, uh, you know the impact that that can have. Uh, again, I think that that's a a pretty powerful thing. And like you say, you know what they're what they were willing to put on the line, and they really were doing that uh, is is a powerful thing. And then to see you know the impact that that you know that that had. But continues to have, and I think that that where you see that that um, message of the gospel, message of the cross, still proclaimed through the artwork yep, and some of the so. architecture and some of the you know, I mean, different 
different things like that where it was the 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 gospel and and the gospel oftentimes specifically uh, in the means of grace in word and sacrament yeah. um, being held forth through this I, I, again I think that's a, a pretty powerful thing when when you give that when you when you pause and think a little bit like why why yeah. why this place and I think um, that's not Winburg's not a bad place to visit it's a nice place oh right yeah and it's we don't it, want to make it sound the way and you're going to get a good donor. Yeah. And it's fun to walk around. And it's different, and it's a little bit different now than it would have been probably at when Luther first got there. But even still, by today's standards, you're getting a sense, right? Yeah, it's not a it's not and a it's huge not that, huge town, other than the fact that Luther was there. And it's not that all the churches are going to be little country church, right? Um, we will see churches that will rival what you would see commonly in Rome. Yep, maybe not St. Peter's. Um, but right. um, but impressive yep, cathedrals yep. and churches. Um, but here we're coming from the religious aspect, and for those interested, we're not mandating, but um, we do hope to um, offer devotions uh, sometimes mm-hmm. right at places. Um, and these will be the the types of things I would say themes that animate us, and um, that come out regularly in our preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're excited to be able to share in connection to some of the places. Um, as we, uh, as we, we go, um, sometimes as Lutherans, we get this like self-hating, self-deprecating view of, um, our, uh, our inheritance, our religious inheritance, our cultural inheritance, um, and going to Germany and some of these places sometimes is a good remedy for that, um, we, for some reason, like to, to blame the Germans for anything that people think people don't like. Hmm. Oh, the liturgy is just too German. Almost none of the liturgy is German. It's right, yeah. Middle Eastern, North African, Italian, you know. It's a, it's a lot more, what we think of as liturgy is maybe a lot more Anglican mm-hmm. English than it is German. Right. But, um, yeah. but to go and to see, um, especially to see in Dresden, the Frauenkirche, how did mm-hmm. they build a church that they wanted to really capture what they're doing? Um, but what what did the worship space, if I can use a very English phrase, mm-hmm. look like? What is the art confessing? Is there art? Yep. Why is there art? Um, the Bach stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and Bach's music is arising out of his faith. And yeah. most of it for the church. The sermon in song. Right. Is, and so yeah. if we think, well, Lutheranism is just kind of like sad dirges on the organ, you know, lifeless. And I like the organ, I'm not bad. But sometimes people just make it out like it's like, yeah, you know. Um, can, I, can I share one of my... I'll, I'll wrap okay, up this sentence. Go ahead. But the, there is a richness that if you are a Lutheran and you've not thought about or encountered before, one of the things we're excited about this trip to do is to help you realize how much more there is out mm-hmm. there that maybe you were not aware of, and you can now enjoy for the rest of your life because of it. Go ahead, Jason. I was going to say that one of the, you know, you talk about this is just boring dirges or something like that. I, I say one of the most um, enjoyable moments, meaningful moments that I had was on our first trip to, <laughs> my first trip, our our first trip together overseas. The trip Wade took you on. Yes, exactly. Um, where we went to the Tomas Kirke in Leipzig, mm-hmm. and we walked in and, which is often the case um, there, of course, because it's the Bach organ, you know, people playing on the organ. And uh, it was uh, the middle movement um, from the Bach cantata on 
uh, wake awake for night is flying. And uh, it's like, mm-hmm. this is one that I had listened to a ton of times and it, it was being played beautifully just as we walked in and we had, I think we were five steps into the church when the organist started playing. And it's just like, you know, this is kind of one of those little moments where yep. I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to pause and take this in and enjoy. Um, and I, I would, I would challenge anyone to listen to that movement and not find joy rather than a sad dirge. Yep. And I think with a lot of these places to see, to be able to picture, um, this this year, um, what the cornucopia of things that we sometimes take for granted or don't understand about um, our our faith's past and how it did things, um, just to get a sense for what the divine service would have been like mm-hmm. and how they're doing these things, um, will enrich your experience of things back home. And maybe our parishes mm-hmm. can't do all of those things yep. now. Um, the world has changed and resources have changed, but it, it's sure a good reminder of um, of what, we, what there is and what has been done in service to the good news um, of Jesus Christ. And, and I will say if we can tie this to German history and culture, um, even in a Germany that in many ways has forsaken its Protestant past. You will see these things, we will see these things elsewhere in history and culture will say, this this is a leftover, it's a subconscious maybe for them, but a mm-hmm. leftover thing of Luther's teaching. We'll see that especially um, with vocation yeah. um, as we as you encounter the seriousness, the, the great dignity with which... Um, Jobs are carried out that mm-hmm. in America we maybe might consider throwaway jobs, not because they're bad jobs, but because we just they're jobs you do for a while or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can we can say that's that's Luther's doctrine of vocation that that right is still lingering there. But and I'll, I'll share one other experience that um, that kind of connects more back to the faith side of it, and you know that that giving up on its Protestant past in a way we had, we had the opportunity on one one of the trips to to. Well, um, I think I know what you're going to say. Go through, go through worship um, at one of the churches. Although I, I was not thinking of the time in Wolfenbüttel, but uh, it was in Eisenach at the um, St. George's Church. And it was, uh, we had a group of about 30 uh, on our trip, not quite. And uh, that almost doubled their attendance. We were, we were not quite short of um, doubling it, or we were just short probably of doubling it, uh, which say, okay, well, that's one thing. But then you think, this is a town of like 200,000 people, I think. I thought you were talking that, about Lubin where we were talking to the pastor. And, oh, that's, yeah, yeah that's yeah. another. Um, but no, I was thinking in this town of 200,000 people, uh, you have one church offering one service on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you think about that being about maybe 40 people there, uh, which on the one hand gives you a, a, a greater appreciation for the, for the fact the number of people that still do come and still appreciate the gospel here, but also in that service, uh, the thing that was interesting for our people uh, was they could follow along with the service because it was 
the liturgy, mm-hmm. uh, and a couple of the pieces sounded very familiar if you knew the Lutheran hymnal, which was also kind of an interesting thing. But then they also did, um, there was a three-part Telemann cantata that they did as part with beautiful flute accompaniment, and, and, because, and they do this because, it, you know, it's cultural, you know, and they want, you know, but at the same time, and there will be, there will be concerts that are <laughs> cultural concerts with a completely religious religious program as far as what they're performing because they're cultural yeah. and yet at the same time it was these uh artists that were inspired by the reformation that were putting their theology into song yep. um that is still being sung that still still speaks to this day which i which again is just one of those things where you say those gospel proclamations are still being preached yep. Um, because of that, even to this day, maybe and maybe not a whole lot of people are appreciating them anymore, and yet for some they'll still show up. Yep. Um, I'm gonna have to to make my way home in a bit. I have to uh, get the kids from school, or two of the kids. Um, I think that well, well, I think it gave, maybe we got a little preachy, but I think it gives a sense for what brings us back on the religious side. And uh, there'll be a variety of people coming on this trip. Most of them uh, Lutheran. Most of those registered so far certainly are. Yep. Um, and uh, and these are the types of things. Uh, if you find yourself on the trip having questions or um, wanting to know more about something, these are the types of things we love talking about. Um, and hopefully, it just those with this gives you a sense of what animates us to go on these trips, to want to lead a trip, um, to want to go on this trip with you, mm-hmm. right? Um, why we want to see these things again, why we want to share them. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think this podcast exists um, without uh, the shared love for Reformation um, history and theology that has existed amongst all the people who have participated, mm-hmm. both lay and ordained. Yep. Um, that we cherish these things um, and then that at, at the end of the day the gospel is uh freedom in the best sense of freedom uh it's it's freedom from sin it's freedom from death it's freedom from the the treadmill of self-justification and the law um and it's freedom for it's freedom for your neighbor and it's freedom for letting the bird fly Another round, another round, another round, one more round won't get me down.